Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 20 of the JD Outdoors podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JD underscore outdoors 1773. Today, my guest will be my friend Tyler Manthe. Follow him on social media at TCM Fishing. And today, we will be talking about fishing a drop shot. How are you doing today? Good. How's it going, Jordan? Good, good. One second. Sorry, the audio just cut out, I think, for a second. We back? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, we're good now. All right. So, uh, to start, can you give us a little background on your fishing career and uh, how and when you started fishing and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I actually grew up in Syracuse, New York, but my family has um, a cottage um, up in Canada. So I started fishing with them up in Canada, and that's kind of where I learned how to fish. It's where I spent most of my summers growing up, and it's, I mean, I fished every day fishing for anything I could catch. Yeah. Started with sunfish, perch, you know, bass, rock bass, walleye, pike, whatever. Um, and then as time went on, as I got older, I started to kind of get away from the panfish and was more interested in pike, walleye, and bass. And then as time went on further, it really just became um, focused mainly on bass for me and um, started fishing tournaments between uh, the summer between high school and college and then fished on um, UB's college team all four years I was there I was the president um, for two years there and pretty much have gotten to travel everywhere you know I, I can think of um, with that club fishing tournaments and it's just been a great learning experience you know everybody's Still got room to learn for, for bass fishing, and um, it just allowed me to see a lot and really refine um, the kind of fishing I like to do. And um, now, pretty much only fish for bass, except for the unfortunate times of the year, like right now, um, where I do settle for some panfish ice fishing. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm waiting for some ice to come our way so I can get out, because I, I steelhead fish too. And I just haven't been into it this year, so I, I'm just eager for ice fishing. Steelhead and trout are probably the only things I don't fish for. And um, I don't know if it's a lack of interest or just not wanting to dive into that and spend a ton of money on stuff that I could be spending for bass fishing. Yeah, no, I agree. That's that's for sure. And, like, once you get into center pinning and everything, you're it's over. Like, you're spending, a, you know, to get a good quality center pin, you're spending quite a bit of money and then – know waders and all that stuff but yeah i'll stick to bass fishing yeah for sure i'd rather just staying up here in new york and traveling down to you know any of the southern states when we need to <laughs> scratch that itch for catching a bass for sure yeah I, I can't wait to get back down south again i'm i'm hoping come march i'm hoping to take a trip uh to kentucky lake maybe virginia um we'll see it's it's tough now trying to get back to all the places that I used to go every year for college fishing um, now that I'm working and, and trying to make time to fish as well. So got to pick and choose a little bit more carefully now, but I got a short list of places that I, I really want to get back to again. Um, in the spring trip, it's I, I got to pick from that list. And that list has got Kentucky Lake, Smith Mountain Lake, and Pickwick Lake. So we'll see where I end up. It'll be one of those three. Awesome. Awesome, man. So obviously, uh, as you said, you've, you've had a, a chance to fish all over and you've been fishing for a long time now. So uh, like what, what is your best fishing memory or bass fishing memory or something like that? Yeah, my best bass fishing memory 
Um, it actually came um, this summer. I, my best, most recent memory came this summer, um, fishing in a tournament down south on Pickwick. Um, it, it was just a blast. We, we, we spent the um, entirety of pre-fishing, fishing up um, around dams and in certain spillways and really just spent every single hour of pre-fishing doing that alongside some areas um, that were just known fish catch places and practice went okay we didn't crush them but we knew that when the when the water would get let out that you know would bring the fish down and we'd, we'd catch them long story short um, there was two UB teams fishing fishing the dams um, right next to each other uh, the morning was slow and I, I bailed on my plan I said you know I don't really Feel like sitting around waiting much more i didn't really have a backup plan so i just fished doing you know doing the ways that i'm comfortable which is um as alongside finesse fishing it would probably be um, power fishing and flipping and that's what we did down there um, we were looking for bigger quality bites so we just went and flipped um and then threw chatter baits and we we wound up in the back of some uh some golf course area uh, that connected to the lake and Caught a five pounder, um, and then it started. Um, it started started the fun for that that two day tournament. As we we just we caught we caught a limit, um, and you know scrapped it together, and then had a plan for day two, and just had a blast. So it it was just kind of kind of one of those memories where you trust your gut, and then um, do what you you know you fall back on, and it's nice to have that work out. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, fishing is one of those things where you you know you. One day you're going to think, wow, I don't know anything. Like, why am I even fishing? And then the next day you're like, how on earth did I figure this out? But, you know, I'm not going to complain. But, you know, it's just kind of, you know, the ups and downs of fishing for sure. Exactly. And it's cool to see it translate um, in different parts of the country too. Because even though we're still fishing for the same species of fish, um, they act completely different. Yeah, for sure. When I was down in Virginia, even just, you know, the, the little bit I got out fishing, just that fishery is so different than the ones that we have up here. And it's just, you know, like with all the creeks coming into it and just the how, how it sets up and everything, it's just, it, it's, it's something special because, you know, us Northern guys, unless you travel, we're not going to see that sort of thing, you know? Exactly. It's so much different there, <clears throat> man. It's just, it's beautiful too. Um, all these places are beautiful, but in their own way. And it's, it's cool to see them all. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I was lucky when I was in Virginia, it was like prime foliage, uh, fall time. So it was really nice going out on the lake and seeing everything. But, all right. So, uh, on to the next question, which this one's always pretty cool. Uh, where is your dream place to fish or what has your favorite place to fish been? So if there's some place you haven't been before that you'd love to go, what would that be? Well, my, my dream place to fish is somewhere I have fished before, and it's still on the topic of Virginia. It's hands down Smith Mountain Lake. Um, it's I really mainly like it there because it's so beautiful. Um, mountain range you see there fishing. I mean, there's there's big bass to be had in that lake. The fishing is tough. Um, there is You will not find a single weed, a single strand of a weed in that lake. Um, they treat it to some extent and, and there's, I'm not joking. There's not a single weed in that lake. So for us Northern guys, that's a huge change. Um, so it's mainly fishing boat docks, 
uh, lay downs, some rock points. Um, it's just, it's a lot different and it's, it's a reservoir. So um, you got to mix in some rivers and stuff and Creek arms too. And it's, it's a super cool fishery. Um, I've been there for the past three years and it's, it's just gorgeous down there. Um, lights, light, like it's just, it can't be compared to unless you go there. It's one of those things where it's just the scenery coupled with the potential to catch an eight pounder. Um, it's just insane. Every, every spring they do a big bass bash there and there'll be 200 plus boats, um, as well as the, the, um, the college tournaments would go there every year. And it was just a blast to go down there. It's just beautiful. For sure. And, uh, I, I was going to mention real quick that like, my, let me gather my thoughts a little bit better on how I was going to explain it. But, uh, Fishing just down there to me has a special place because it is so different. And like it's, I've said in the previous podcast, but you know, like when you're younger, they say every time you learn something, you get a wrinkle on your brain. And it's like each new lake you go to, it's the same thing. You learn something. And a lot of the times it does translate back, even though the fisheries are different. For sure. The, the further south you work, you can start to kind of make some similarities between one lake and another yeah. um, and kind of translate those into, into one and the other. Um, it's definitely something where, you know, it's the same as tournament fishing. The first college tournament I fished, I zeroed and yeah. that was a New York tournament. But then I went down South and starting to learn it, you know, little bit by little bit, you start to piece things together and realize that some Northern tactics can still work down there. You got to change things up. The bait's different. Um, the forage is different, surroundings are different, but like I said, with each lake, you figure out, you know, a little bit by little bit, you bring that into the next lake, you make some similarities, you find, you know, commonalities between what works here, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like a giant puzzle that, you know, you're just solving corner by corner, yeah. um, trying to figure out. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, Smith mountain. I, I is definitely on my list of places to go. And, uh, as you may or may not know, our club that we're in used to Western New York Bassmasters, they used to go down there back in the day and did a tournament there every year. So that for like a two day, I think it was a two day tournament on the weekends, which is uh, pretty neat. So wish we were doing that again. Yeah, no, I agree. And hopefully, uh, soon we'll be getting back to that. Cause, uh, that would be for sure a blast, especially cause all of us, uh, you know, our age in the club, we're all good friends and whatnot. So just everyone hanging out and having a blast and fishing against each other. It'd be a, be a good time for sure. It'd be awesome. There's some awesome campsites there too. So yeah, I love that place. Like I said, it's not necessarily for the fishing because quite frankly, I hate dock fishing. Um, but for some reason I, I like it there. Um, it's beautiful. There's a place that I, I, I haven't fished that I want to get to um it pretty it'd probably be sam rayburn um yeah. that, that's somewhere i really want to get to um really all the lakes down south though they're, they're just special uh anywhere where you can get double digit bass is just insane yeah and then like you talk to a southern guy it's funny because they're like oh you guys got or you guys are blessed up there with you know the giant small mouth and the great lakes and we are don't get me wrong but it's just kind of funny how like every state and angler is envious of someone in another state because of what they, the fish they have or the body of water or something like that. Exactly. And I'm, I'm more of a large mouth guy than a small mouth guy, but you know, being in Buffalo, 
we don't have all that much largemouth, you know, fishing within a close, close range. I mean, yeah, we can drive a couple hours and get to it for sure. But being from Syracuse, I really mainly only fished for largemouth. I mean, I did go to Oneida and all those lakes have smallmouth, but largemouth was really, you know, what was going to win the tournament. So that's what I grew up, you know, fishing my tournaments on, even in Canada. Um, there was more smallmouth than largemouth, but I always favored largemouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's crazy how, you know, guys down south want smallmouth. The guys up here, you know, we, yeah. want, we want a largemouth. For sure. So uh, now let's kind of get into the heart of the episode here and talking about the drop shot. Uh, first, like if you could break down your favorite rod or rods, if you have multiple for different occasions, uh, you know, the reel, the line you use, the hook, the lure itself, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, it really it really depends if I'm fishing for smallmouth or largemouth, um, if I'm fishing close range targets or if I'm dragging. Um, but essentially, I really have two main drop shot setups. Um, for, for smallmouth on the Great Lakes, I use, actually I use a medium rod, but it really depends. The power of the rod depends completely on the manufacturer. Um, so I would say the medium rod I use is more like a mag medium light. But um, that the rod for smallmouth in the Great Lakes I used to drop shot um, is a 7.4. I know a lot of guys don't like rods that long for drop shotting. I do because I can use the same rod from casting a drop shot or from dragging it. Um, as you kind of progress through the year out here, I really don't even use the drop shot that much in the spring. You can perfectly fine. I just take advantage of the springtime and use you know tradi- other techniques I traditionally wouldn't use um, come the bulk of the season. But once, you know, late spring, summer rolls in, it's pretty much strictly drop shotting. Um, and and the, the tactics, you know, while you're doing so change between, you know, fishing close range versus, you know, on flat, calm, 85 degree days we have out here, then you got to drag that, you know, you got to drag your line way behind the boat, play the wind if there is any, you know, really let out line because the small mouth can be finicky, especially in the warm weather. So that is you know that's the rod i like to use for um for drop shotting it's a 7.4 medium um it's a douglas rods x matrix 744 um it's the extra fast uh tip on it so you can get a really good you know a lot of backbone in the rod you get a great hook set on them um the fish i landed you know after i changed over to an extra fast tip for drop shotting improved dramatically um, so that's the rod I use for smallmouth, Great Lakes, heavier weights on the drop shots, um, pretty much three quarters or three eighths to a half. Yeah. Um, that is usually what I use on the Great Lakes. But when I fish for largemouth, the, the techniques change quite a bit. Um, I typically um, use between a quarter and three eighths ounce weight yeah. when I'm fishing for largemouth drop shotting. Um, I'm really drop shotting in the weeds for largemouth, you know, exactly how you would be flipping, you know, a beaver style bait, mm-hmm. find little weed pockets and flipping a drop shot in. I know a lot of guys like to fish Texas rig drop shots or weedless, you know, weedless rig drop shots. I don't, um, it's just not my, my strength or, or my comfort. So I, I still fish them nose hooked and I, yeah, I do catch weeds as a pain, yeah. but I know that as soon as I get a bite, it's coming in the boat. Yeah. Um, and how I fish largemouth drop shotting, um, I, I upsize my bait a little bit more and I downsize my weight. Um, I use a shorter rod because I'm, I'm looking to make precise like flips. 
rather than casting for distance and dragging that bait. So usually it's close range. I'm, you know, flipping a drop shot at something or, um, you know, I'm finding a weed pocket and going right for that. I'll still use a medium powered rod. Um, I usually like to go down to about a seven foot, six, 10 to seven foot. I've been bouncing back between two rods um, from Douglas, the 610. Um, it's actually a medium light, 610, um, medium light, extra fast. But the one I've really been liking is um, the 704 that they have. And that's a medium powered rod, again, a seven foot. Um, but I like the shorter, shorter, shorter length rod because I'm making closer range casts. Um, I can fish, you know, the drop shop behind people who are flipping and, you know, flipping traditional style baits and get bites that those people don't get because, you know, fish can be finicky one day. Mm -hmm. Presentation could be too big. Um, it could be spooked. And then, you know, away goes the four inch beaver and then in comes a drop shot. And the more I have to bite that. Um, so even times I will favor just rolling with a drop shot rather than flipping just to guarantee that bite. Um, but the baits change up quite a bit too, but the one commonality for the reels on both setups, um, I use a 2,500 size reel. You can get away with a 3002. It's not adding too much weight to the setup, especially if you're dragging a 3000 is nice. Um, letting out a lot of line, but the main thing is a light reel. Um, the lighter the reel, the more you're going to feel within that, you know, when the bite translating through the rod. So I use a 2500 Shimano Stratic CI4 on both my drop shot setups. Um, I love that reel. I actually, I, I have that on both, both those setups and a couple others, and I just love them. Um, but really any 2500 size really don't need to get too fancy. You don't need to get too picky with it. Um, line, I use 10 pound braid um, down to an eight pound floral, floral leader. You know, a lot of guys like six. I just haven't found the need yet to downsize to it. Um, but I use eight. If I'm, if I'm in the weeds, sometimes if they're thick weeds, I'll bump up to 10 pound test, but 99% of the time I'm rolling with eight pound test, regardless of where I am. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much my setup, the braid. Um, I use suffix and then the fluoro. Um, I, I really, really, really like the P line tactical fluorocarbon, um, just the main line for leaders. And it's great. Um, that or the Sunline um, FC Sniper, they're both awesome. Um, in terms of hooks, like I said, I, I use the same, pretty much the same setup minus the rods and the bait um, for drop shotting. So the hooks, I use the, um, the Gamagatsu uh, right there, the yep. size two. Yep, pretty much standard. So many people use them. There's nothing special about them. They're just good hooks. They work. Um, they are, um, just on the package. I'm reading it's, it's a split shot, drop shot hook. Like I said, nothing special behind this. That's just the, the hook I use and, and they work. Um, you could, you know, I know, I know my tournament partner actually uses, um, a bigger hook. He uses a size one. He gets, he still gets bit on it. Um, I used to actually throw a size one until I came out here and started fishing Erie. Um, but I think that the amount of bites you get because of the action of whatever bait you're throwing is not as much impaired from a bigger hook, um, as well as um, just the area of the mouth that the fish gets hooked into the small hook dramatically increases not only the amount of bites you're getting, but the amount of fish you're landing. Um, nine times out of 10 on this hook, at least with the rods I'm using, they get it um, back in the roof of their mouth. And if you hook a fish there, they're not coming off. 
Um, so I'm, I've been extremely pleased ever since I switched to that smaller hook. Um, I know people, tons of people too, that use even smaller hooks than that. So I can't even call it a small hook, I guess, but it is to me. Yeah. So that's, that's my hook of preference. Um, like I said, baits um, really, really are different between smallmouth versus largemouth. My, my mainstay um, drop shot bait is the Yamamoto shad shaped worm. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, that the flat nose worm is the best. I just, you know, can't get my hands on it. So I've been rolling with these and I love them. Um, they're four inches. They're pretty much the exact same shape as that Berkeley worm. Um, I, I love those on Erie. Those are my mainstay. I always have them on. Um, they're just awesome. Um, I really only use them on Great Lakes though. I don't use them really anywhere besides um, Lake Erie, Lake Ontario and the rivers. I know they probably work, but I just don't use them anywhere else. I only have two colors of that bait and I probably will only buy two colors of that bait. Um, I only buy, you know, a goby colored bait or green pumpkin and then just, you know, a standard shad color. Um, I don't think you need to get too fancy when you're picking out these colors. I'm rotating between those two, depending on, you know, conditions, wind, what the fish are eating, time of year, all that. Um, when you have those two colors, you're going to be fine with either one of those. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's me talking for smallmouth here. Granted, I mean, I still have tons to learn too, but that's personally what I do. Um, I got a couple of other cool baits too, you know, if it's a tough bite. Um, I found that um, this bait here, it's the, um, the Missile Baits Ned Bomb. Oh, yeah. it's, um, it's a bait that a lot of people don't really don't really use on drop shots but i'll drop shot that if i'm dragging the drop shot um you know that tail on that bait really kicks um it, it's it's an awesome bait for a lot of movement if the fish are being finicky um on a drop shot that's one that i really found um that i like as well as just drop shotting small swim baits uh that's became a big thing lately it's gotten popular that is amazing when dragging a bait because you know you're getting both your bang for your buck with a swim bait tail that's kicking and a drop shot presentation so that's you know that's another bait i love throwing for smallmouth on a drop shot um in terms of largemouth i, I pretty much keep it simple for largemouth i i try to get more away from that shad shaped color or, or not color shad shaped style and get more towards a worm style. Okay. Um, the, the three baits that I really like to drop shot for largemouth, most of the time are going to be in green pumpkin or some kind of um, PB and J color. The three baits that I really like to throw for largemouth are uh, the one I have on me here is the max scent hit worm. Love yeah. those around weeds. Um, they're great. They smell terrible, but they're great. Um, that's the max scent hit hit worm um my two favorites though are the you know the classic the classic uh kvd dream shop it's yep. an, an amazing largemouth bait um it's it's one of my preferred largemouth drop shotting baits um like i said that's something you can just flip behind people that are just flipping beavers and you'll get bit with that next one i like to throw for largemouth is the um is the zoom uh, little, little small trick worms, the four, four and a half inch trick worms. And um, those get bit great too. They're just, you know, cheap bait you can get, throw them on, you know, they're, they're good for a fish or two. And, you know, they flat out work. Those, those are really the mainstays that I have for drop shotting. Like I said, 
regardless of if I'm drop shotting, the bait's going to change depending on if I'm going for small mouth or large mouth. Gotcha. For sure. That's wow. You really knocked it out of the park with that one, man. You really did. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, my next question, which you kind of already answered was uh, where do you fish this presentation? And for large mouth, you kind of got into it with the weeds a little bit and for small mouth dragging, but is there anything in particular more so that you're looking for that you're going to drop shot? Um, I mean, I, I like anything for drop shotting great lakes fish. I mean, you're looking, you're mostly looking for little rock clusters, um, gravel. Um, it's really tough to say, you know, say areas because a lot of it's just transitions, small transitions that'll hold a few fish. A lot of it, I mean, I've came to notice depends on wind. Um, but I really have only been out here for one full season on Erie to try and learn the spots. Yeah. I know, how, I know, you know, the techniques to catch them. It's a matter of piecing the spots together now too. Yeah. Um, but it's something where, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn from every single day you're on the water. Um, that's one thing that Lake Erie has really opened my eyes to because, you know, you can catch them on one drop shot bait one day um, in one particular spot and you can throw the same bait or a different bait the next day, and not catch a single one there. You got to kind of put every single piece together to realize, okay, they're eating this bait now because of this wind or this cloud cover or this time of the year or this forage. And just getting a couple of those puzzle pieces in a row is not going to lead to a successful outing. You have to figure out each one of them and why, um, why one or the other is occurring to kind of line those stars up. So in terms of drop shotting for smallmouth, you know, find those transitions, gravel piles, rock piles, um, current breaks. That's a big one too. Yeah. Um, those are pretty much the things I look for. Largemouth, like I said, weeds, um, weed pockets, structure, areas where there's two different types of weeds, um, man-made structure, docks are, are good to drop shot. Bridges are great to drop shot. They always are good for a fish um, on a drop shot. Same deal, current breaks. Um, those are those are pretty much the mainstays. So then uh, another thing with your drop shot, uh, the leader length from the hook to the weight itself. How do you vary that from smallmouth to largemouth, or do you keep it the same? I keep it mostly the same. I, I mean, that's that may just be because I'm lazy. Um, I know some people probably have the science, science behind it. Yeah. Mine are about the same. Uh, my general rule. Um, everybody actually, you know, kind of encouraged me to do this as time went on, but my general rule is I tie my leader, um, and then reel it right down up until it hits the reel. Um, that's my standard leader length. So you picture, um, you picture a, a seven foot rod and then that baits hanging down. So it's roughly a 10, 12, you know, foot leader that I'm tying. Um, that's my mainstay usually. Gotcha. All right. Thank you again. Yeah, you really knocked that one out of the park. I appreciate it. So uh, I have a few last questions to kind of wrap up the show here. And the first one is, what is your favorite snack on the water? Oh, that's easy. Combos. Um, combos are always my um, my go-to snack on the water. Um, just as your, your regular, you know, pretzel combos. I love them. Yeah. All right. All right. I haven't had those in a while, but that's, that's a good idea for a snack on the boat. Honestly, I, I only eat them on the boat. My, I don't have an urge to eat them, you know, 
off the water, but it's for some reason my go-to snack when I'm out there. The other thing too, you know, I mean, that would be my snack, my go-to, you know, meal on the water. Every single tournament, I got, you know, a ham and cheese sandwich packed. You know, if we're going down south, I'll have, I'll have, you know, you can, any, any tournament partner I've I've had can vouch for this, that uh, any tournament we go on, I will go to Walmart, I will buy a loaf of bread, I'll get one of those little containers of ham, and then a pack of cheese, and I won't have to eat another thing. Um, that combos water, you know, some beer. That's that's all you really need out there. That's awesome, man. That's definitely uh, combos is an interesting one. I'll have to try that out this year. I'm always looking for new snacks on the water, something uh, quick, easy, and uh, pretty, you know, neat. So it's not super messy because I hate, you know, I've had Doritos out on the boat, and you get that cheese dust on the carpet, man. That's a uh, that's a pain. Then you got to wash it out. Yep. Combos are nice and clean. Um, <laughs> so the next question is how, or do you have any tips rather? Do you have any tips for staying positive on the water? Um, kind of going back to that story I highlighted in the beginning, um, staying positive on the water. I realized the worst thing you could possibly do in a tournament is wonder how other people are doing. Um, you really just got to focus on yourself. I'm guilty of, you know, doing that um, as well, you know, look, trying to figure out how other people are doing. But any successful tournament I've had, I've tried to get into a groove. I've tried to piece piece together, you know, puzzles um, and pretty much just stay, stay upbeat. Um, we're doing this for fun. You know, that's what it comes down to. I mean, for some people, fishing is their job. For most of us, it's not. Um and getting back to the roots of that is when you're going to be successful. If you're going into a tournament stressed, if you're mad, you lost a fish, you know, it's going to translate into how you're fishing. I don't know how it does, but anytime I have, it doesn't work. Um, and just staying upbeat, remembering at the end of the day that there's a reason why you're, you were confident enough to enter this tournament um, and, and finding out, you know, what that is working hard on, you know, piecing together that puzzle um, and just trusting your instincts, trusting what you do best. At the end of the day, if you show up to a place and you can't catch fish, how you're supposed to there, just go have fun. If you like to flip, go flip in that lake, even if it's not a great lake for it, because if you're good at something, then that'll translate, you know, into that body of water. Um, so just have fun. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, man. And I'm going to add another little segment that should have been back in the beginning, but I just thought of it and I thought it'd be a cool topic because I haven't talked with anyone about it yet, but uh, college fishing, obviously you have a big part in that and you've been, uh, you said four years you were in the club, right? Yeah, I was, I was uh, in the club for four years. I stay involved now. It's, it's all different with COVID though. Um, But I guess I've kind of taken on a coaching role for that, for the team um for a few members i'd probably loan out my boat um just to keep people fishing but i still stay involved um it's just an awesome college fishing is an awesome way um to get into the tournament experience it's an awesome way to travel it's an awesome way to get to meet people um and with the more people you meet that fish different bodies of water the more you're going to learn it's you know it's free learning it is a way you can you know, boost your strengths in certain areas, get to fish with new people, get to fish on some cool boats, get to fish for different kinds of species. You know, 
at the end of the day, fishing's fishing. Um, we all, you know, have a preference of the fish that we fish for and not everybody's the same. So putting all those people together in one room, um, really opens up, you know, your minds and you get to, you know, find out a lot of cool pieces of, you know, just different fisheries and, you know, different techniques of fishing. So college fishing, you know, in summary, I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people. Uh, I've gotten to learn a ton. I've gotten to dive into tournament fishing. And I've gotten to travel a lot to places that, quite honestly, I probably would have never been if it wasn't for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I tried starting up a, a team at NCCC when I was there, and that did not go very well. So I uh, I did not do that, and I have I didn't end up transferring anywhere. I thought about going to UB just to fish, to be honest with you, that or ESF just so I could fish. I had no idea what I was going to go to college for, but I figured if I can fish, why not? But uh, you know, there's still an opportunity, so you never know what's going to happen. But Yeah, um, and I know we're always looking, you know, to grow the team. Yeah. And um, especially with local guys, you know, that's great. Um, we're always looking to grow. College fishing just as a whole is a great community, too. You meet so many cool people. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of fishing in general. I, I've found out and every year that I'm more and more into it. You meet people, and it's just like some of the nicest people you ever meet in your life. It just... And, and for example, like even an elite series pro like Mark Menendez, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my whole entire life. He's just, you know, he's, he's there to help, like help grow the sport and help you learn. And I think like, you know, a lot of people that I've met over the past few years that like, I've really, you know, clung to have done that. And like, you know, I just met you this year, uh, cause I had to tow you in cause you uh, ran out of gas, but you know, whatever it happens, it happens. And, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're full of information too. And, you know, you're not that much older than me, but you've had a lot of good experience on the water. So you can speak for that and, you know, uh, teach others from that. Yeah. I, I, I'm one of those people that I like to pay it forward. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've learned have came from, you know, a lot of great people who have, who have been, you know, fortunate enough to share that with me um, and, you know, nice enough to do so. And, you know, I'm not going to give out their GPS coordinates yeah. and stuff, but, you know, if it's anything that they helped me learn and that I've kind of progressed through and I realized, you know, different pieces that I can kind of make my own on that, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, pay it forward and help somebody else out. Um, that's the name of the game. You know, like I said, we all love fishing. You know, it's all one big community. Um, if you have, you know, a fisherman and then another fisherman just meet up, you know, they're going to have something to talk about. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, that's, that's worth noting. Um, and that's, you know, that's somebody you can call a friend. Yeah, for sure. I, one of my big purposes with this podcast is because some, you know, sometimes people don't have that mentor to get them going in the right direction when they first start off fishing. So like, you know, the more information that's out there on YouTube and podcast platforms and, you know, Instagram, social media, I think the better off people are because they can just do a simple Google search bass fishing. And, you know, obviously the good quality stuff is going to rise to the top because, you know, it gets the most views and whatnot. And because, you know, there's nothing worse than having someone get in to fishing, not knowing what they're doing and then hate the sport. Exactly. If you can get some good information or a good person to go with, and then you literally get hooked on it because you start catching fish and then it just, goes from there yeah for sure um i would definitely agree with that 
Um, I think that social media has really had a, a really big positive impact on the fishing community. Um, quite honestly, I think this is one of the only things you can say about it. I think COVID has as well. I think that it's forced a lot of people to get outdoors and that brings you to social media for people who don't know how to fish or they, you know, they haven't grown up doing it. They see, you know, famous people on Instagram or whatever, you know, posting about different techniques and then you can start trying that and then you can start learning it, modifying that, making it your own, figuring out, you know, little bit of, you know, pieces within that to get creative and make it your own. And that's, you know, what fishing is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's fishing for something, how they want to eat it and how you want to throw it. So putting all those together, it, it's awesome. Yeah, like you, like you said earlier, it's uh, fishing is that one big puzzle. And when you get to put those pieces together perfectly, it's just everything's going right. It feels amazing. It's a very, very good feeling. It is. It can also be a terrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I would like to say thank you again for being on the show today. Uh, I appreciate it. I learned a lot. I hope the listeners did too. And is there anyone that you'd like to shout out, any sponsors or friends, family, stuff like that? Yeah, um, I, I definitely like to thank my family for, you know, introducing fishing into my life. Um, honestly, it's something that I, I kind of need in my life. Um, it's what keeps me sane. So without, you know, without learning fishing, I don't know what else I'd be doing now. So it's, I definitely would like to thank them. Um, I'd also like to thank um, the guys in the UB fishing team. Um, for bringing me in my freshman year. It's just been, like I said, you know, it's a great learning experience. Learned a ton. Um, I'd also, you know, like to thank the guys at Western New York Bassmasters too for, you know, helping ease the transition process of somebody who'd never fished a Great Lake before until coming out here for college and then learning and then fishing with you guys. It's been awesome. Um, so I really, you know, really appreciate all the local guys, you know, that are willing to share information. Yeah, we love having you in the club and, uh, glad that you're part of you know in the uh what position do you have now in the club what is it again it's a good question yeah but you know whatever you have a, you have a position I'm on the, I'm on the, yeah i'm on the tournament committee so we, yeah. we made this, we got the schedule rolled out and ready to go um i don't know what my official position name is but yeah um we got we got a schedule rolled out ready to go it'll be fun this year um we got a lot of tournaments we should have some new members coming in um should have a good good turnout this year should be real competitive too yeah it'll it'll definitely be fun and uh i think that we have a really good club right now and we're you know it keeps it's keeps growing and getting better and better and it's awesome having you in the club because you've obviously had all that experience with college fishing which you have to recruit people which for us we have to recruit people too you know if we want the club to be prosperous and successful but for sure. It's, it's something that, you know, you gotta just stay with the times, you know, right now it's social media. Um, I, I'm just a big proponent for, you know, meeting people and introducing, you know, what you have. Um, you know, if you see a guy out fishing, you know, you have to say, hey, you know, do you fish tournaments? Yeah. So, you know, you know, we fish for Western Bassmasters. Who do you fish for? And just, you know, let them know, you know, where we fish, you know, what we're about, the kind of people that we have. And then, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. They'll see, you know, a tournament that we're having. They'll see, you know, the guys that we have involved and they'll want to join. Yeah. It, it was funny when at my old job, when I'd be working, I'd have customers come because there's an outdoor store come in that fish and whatnot. 
and I had the business cards for Western New York Bassmasters. So if I found out they fished at all, I'd be like, Hey, here's our card for the club. Like if you want to join and, you know, do the, you know, a little bit of old fashioned stuff there with the business cards and trying to get some, make a sale in a way that way. But, uh, Hey, it worked. We got a few people through like, you know, especially face to face at the, uh, the expos and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a growing club and it's uh, fun to be a part of for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's a great group of people. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up the show here. Uh, thank you all for listening and tune in for episode number 21. Yes. 21 episodes already. I'm excited. Uh, and the podcast as usual is brought to you by Wu Tunston, Tacticaleries, X-Zone Lures, and now the JD Outdoors Lure Company. All right. See you guys.